The Guardian. Welcome to Science Weekly. We're continuing to follow the COVID-19 outbreak and explore some of the biggest questions to come out of it. In today's episode, we're looking at an issue that emerged very early on in the pandemic. As mortality data started to come out of China, it appeared that fewer women than men were dying from COVID-19. This is now a trend that's been replicated all around the world. What we're seeing is about a two-fold increase. Um, so men seem to be twice as likely to be hospitalized and to die from COVID-19 as compared with women. I mean, in some studies, you know, you're talking about 70 or 80% of all intensive care unit patients with confirmed COVID-19 being men. So what could be driving this disparity? I'm The Guardian science correspondent, Hannah Devlin, and this is Science Weekly. Yeah, actually, wait one second. Actually, forgotten to put my headphones on, sorry. Um, just getting them in now. Okay, good, they're on. Hi, my name is Sabra Klein. I am a professor in the Department of Molecular Microbiology and Immunology at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Hi, Sabra. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Hannah. I am doing well. Thank you. Are you in lockdown at the moment? I am in lockdown. So um, we're doing this interview from my dining room as I treat my dining room table as though it is my office desk. And has it impacted your work a lot having to be at home? I know it's something that a lot of us are dealing with. Absolutely. This resulted in all of us having to shut down our labs. My lab has partially reopened because we are actively doing COVID-19 research and are developing assays for measuring immunity to um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but that still includes or, or involves social distancing. So, you know, we can't all be in the lab at once. One of the first things that became obvious when we were looking at the differences in which vulnerable groups were affected after we saw that people who are older and have underlying conditions uh, are more seriously affected was um, the difference is between men and women. And I'm interested in how that rolled out and when we first spotted that difference. From where I sit and how I see the data, I saw this in the initial data coming out of Wuhan, China. And I will tell you that when I initially submitted uh, letters to journals uh, pertaining to this, uh, they were rejected as being premature. And now that this is a worldwide pandemic and we are seeing this male bias occurring across all countries that, that have sufficient data and sufficient cases being reported. And, and now journals are accepting our letters and our calls to action about how we, we address this. And so when people like you first spotted these differences, what were the first explanations that people reached for? I think the first explanation was that, while well, this must be something about the behavior of men, conversations about hand washing, delayed utilization of health care, maybe even male biases in smoking. But as the data continued to come in, we started to really appreciate that around the world, there are roughly equal numbers 
of SARS-CoV-2 positive cases, meaning that men and women seem equally likely to be exposed. Say where this male bias really reveals itself is with regard to hospitalization requiring being admitted into an intensive care unit or an ICU, um, as well as in mortality from this virus. That's where we see this male bias. I would say roughly around the world, men seem to be twice as likely to be hospitalized and to die from COVID-19 as compared with women. But numbers can be quite staggering. I mean, in some studies, you know, you're talking about 70 or 80% of all intensive care unit patients with confirmed COVID-19 being men. And it's remarkable as I have physicians writing me really from around the world seeing this. So these are people who maybe are not women's health, sex or gender or even men's health researchers. These can be pulmonologists. These can be internists. These can be emergency room doctors who are seeing this male bias playing out even in their local hospitals. Turning to biology, are there things that we know about the way the female immune system behaves or about female biology that could explain why they seem to have some kind of extra protection or a more robust response to COVID-19 that has led to fewer women being hospitalized and dying? So at this moment, we do not have data specific to COVID-19, but we do know from lots of other viruses that females tend to mount a more robust immune response to viral infections than do men. If it starts right away, it starts with the very first initial surveillance that goes on with our immune system. And by surveillance, what I mean is that our immune cells are able to kind of detect if something foreign has entered our body. And we have receptors in place that can detect something foreign, like, like a little piece of RNA. And that's really what this virus is. So it's a piece of RNA. And one of them that is used to detect RNA is called toll-like receptor 7. And it turns out that toll-like receptor 7 is encoded on our X chromosome. And as you and, and many of your listeners likely know in humans, really in all mammals, females have two X chromosomes. Males have one because they also have the Y chromosome. And what we've learned is that having these two X chromosomes seems to increase the activity and the expression of this toll-like receptor 7. So it just may be that women are better able to detect the presence of this virus, possibly because of increased activity of this particular receptor. So it starts us off initiating potentially a stronger immune response because downstream of toll-like receptor 7 is a lot of really important antiviral immune responses that are going to be really important for activating the cells that are going to be responsible for actually clearing the virus from our system. And is this something we see with other viruses that women 
also for those tend to have um, less severe outcomes. Absolutely. So for several different viruses, ranging from HIV to hepatitis C, we do in fact find that women mount higher immune responses, and this is associated with faster clearance. But there can be a downside to this heightened immunity. If we mount these types of responses, not to a virus or not to something foreign that's entered our body, but to our own self-antigen, and that's when you can get development of autoimmune diseases. And it turns out that roughly 80% of all autoimmune disease patients are women. Also, inflammation can be greater for women as compared with men. So I just share that so that you understand it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Could female hormones also play a role? Absolutely, female hormones could be playing a very important role. We know that estrogens, as well as progesterone, do play fundamental roles in modifying an immune response. So the only way that these hormones um, that are circulating in our body can have their biological effects is by binding to receptors. So these are receptors that are going to be specific to estrogen or specific to progesterone. And it turns out that just about every immune cell in our body actually has receptors for these hormones. And we and others have been able to show that this results in hormones being able to regulate the functioning of immune cells, regulate the very responses that immune cells mount. I'm curious, given how much infectious disease has shaped our evolutionary history, why you would end up with these differences between men and women. Are are there any plausible explanations for why women could have a stronger immune response? Probably the prevailing hypothesis that myself and others have written about is heightened immunity, and in particular, in humoral immunity. So when you hear about um, the plasma transfer studies going on, or when you hear about the antibody response that we want to generate following a vaccination, this humoral immunity is one type of immunity that's really important for clearance of viral infections. And those proteins that we make that are a part of that immunity we can readily transfer that across the placenta to our babies. And so from an evolutionary perspective, we do believe that some of the specific immunity that a female mounts over her lifetime, that immunity can be transferred to a baby both across the placenta, so in in utero, and even in breast milk that heightened immunity may serve the role of increasing protection of our babies at a time when they are most vulnerable. And seeing these figures, if you're a man, might feel a bit alarming. Some of the, as you've said, some of the death rates have been twice that in men as women. Is that something that people should be, men in particular, should be worried about and should they be kind of treated differently in some way? The minute you know that you are in a group that is considered an at-risk group, 
It means you have to change your behavior in the hopes of limiting the possibility of exposure. Because if you don't get exposed, you can't have severe disease. Something else that I think is also important are these comorbidities, these underlying conditions, if you will, that seem to be associated with more severe outcome, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, all of which on their own show sex differences. And in many cases, it's men who are suffering more severe outcomes from some of these underlying conditions. You've spoken about this topic a fair bit in the last few weeks. Um, I'm interested in whether it's proved to be a controversial topic and what kind of response you've had. I think in many cases, these things absolutely can become very heated because I think at times when we discuss observations of male-female differences, this gets into questions about equity. Um, You know, I am a biologist and I do believe that some of these biological differences are important for us to acknowledge um, because I think these become from my perspective, targets for treatment. You know, if we know that in this case, women, if they are mounting greater immunity, greater immune responses and have greater protection to this virus, then identifying what it is about their response and how we might be able to impart that type of response in men, I think it's targetable. It's something that maybe we could fix. And that for me, you know, is why, even if there is some pushback, why I do think it is important for us to discuss this. Brilliant. Thanks, Sabra. Thank you. Thanks again to Sabra for joining me this week. And also, thank you for your support as listeners. In times like this, trusted news is more important than ever. And here at The Guardian, we are 100% committed to accurate and reliable news. In order to help us do that, we need your support. To find out more, please go to theguardian.com forward slash support podcasts, all one word. Look after yourselves and stay well. See you back here soon. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.